The Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com, episode 136, Sunday, July 19th, 2009. So this is The Paunch Stevenson Show, episode 136, paunchstevenson.com. I am Rob, you are Greg. Yeah. And we have with us special guest Joe in Kentucky. It still sounds weird when you say that. Yeah. Well, you just moved there, what, a year and a half ago? Uh, yeah, February was a year, so it's, uh, it's getting there, a year and a half. And you moved... But it's still, uh, when you say that, it sounds so bizarre. Yeah, well, you, you I mean, spent your whole life in New York City, right? Yeah, actually, yep. Born and raised New Yorker, so... So it was quite, quite a change, just picking up and... Uh, and moving here, but uh, you know, it's got it's got benefits. It's, uh, well, you have a pool now. Yeah, you know, a yard and a pool and some space, and uh, and it's quiet. You know, we don't. Luckily, our neighbors are. Uh, you know, they're not. Uh, they're not noisy. Yeah, no. Uh, people driving by, blasting techno music. No, I don't hear any car alarms. Wow. Which is. Uh, kind of unheard it doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in in new york you're going to be subject to uh car alarms i think yeah car alarms the the blasting techno music the idiots that ride by on the 50 million decibel motorcycles and think it's funny at one o'clock in the morning yeah one o'clock i hate those motorcycles uh, well, I guess that's the only thing that I'm subject to, because obviously <clears throat> I've got a lot of Harley riders down here. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, Harley. Harley Davidson's a, a huge uh, part of the culture down here. So really? if you don't have a Harley, you have a Harley Davidson shirt <laughs> or a hat or a tattoo or something. Or a tattoo, yeah. All right, so... Let's see, summertime, we got the big movies coming out. Of course, we saw, well, all three of us saw Star Trek, and we read your review yes, a few episodes ago. That. And Greg and I saw, you didn't see Transformers 2, did you? Nah, I, I, I think uh, you I'm a little care. old for Transformers. Yeah, you don't care about that. Nah, <laughs> I think when it was popular, I think I I was a little past the age where kids are sort of into that stuff. Yeah, that's true. Well, so, I should say I that you are 10 years older than we are, yes. but you and I worked side by side at Scholastic in New York City, right. and literally side by side, we we shared an office and sat next to each other. Yeah, it's weird. We sat, you know, four feet from each other every single day for like three years. Yeah. And it was cool because we pretty much liked a lot of the same music. Um, We we both played drums, bass, and guitar. Uh, We both grew up playing Atari and Nintendo and watching, you know, we both liked the same kind of TV shows for the most part and... I don't know. It was, it was a good three years, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I, I was uh, I was pleased because I discovered pretty quickly that you know we did. Although we, there's a ten year difference, we had quite a lot in common. Yeah, and even you know, you know even uh, Greg, you two guys are big Star Trek fans. The original Star yep. Trek. Just the original. Yeah. And I mean, I got a little bit into the next generation, but. Yeah. I didn't go out of my way to watch it. If, if it. if it was on and it was an interesting episode, I'd, I'd hang in there and check it out. But I didn't, you know, alter my schedule to make sure. Now, you know, that I, did you ever end up seeing the remastered Star Trek original series DVDs where they redid the special effects? No, haven't seen that. I'm afraid to. <laughs> Why? Because... I don't know. I've I've got this sentimental streak, and whenever I see things that I've grown up with changed, it bothers me. Actually, 
one of the complaints a lot of the people had was that they didn't change enough of the effects. So they really didn't change a lot. Basically, all they did was they changed the ship. They had a, a 3D model for the Enterprise. They had new, uh, you know, 3D graph, uh, computer graphics for uh, the planets that they would revolve around. And, you know, some of the enemy ships and that kind of stuff. And other than that, very hardly changed anything. And and they remastered, you know, the the actual oh. video. Uh, wait, are you are you talking about the, the movie or the episode? No, the episodes. Oh, the episodes. Oh, yeah. Actually, I have. I think G Four used to run them. Well, now yeah, wait a minute, though. Wait, did did they do a George Lucas and start replacing people's heads no. and things like that? <laughs> no, no, no. no they, it was actually a. They had a modest budget to do it. They didn't have a lot of money to do it, so they, they really couldn't change that much. It was, you know, they, they broadcasted the episodes on, uh, essentially on over-the-air TV, uh, although it was usually in most markets, they it was aired at like 1 a.m., 3 a.m. Yeah. So it was, I, it was a pain. I used to have to like TiVo it, but that's what they did, and then they released those on uh, HD DVD, which... Went the way of the the dinosaurs. No Blu-ray. Uh, they've just. I think they're they're just coming out with the Blu-ray now. Well, Joe, I know that. Again, you're a big Star Trek fan. I know you were into you know science and astronomy and things like that. So, were you ever a big Star Wars fan? Uh, yeah, actually, the original. Uh, the the first. Well. You know the one that uh, what is it episode four? That's the first one. Yeah. That they uh, yeah. Uh, that one yeah. And as the movies went on, I be I just sort of lost interest as they, you know, Empire Strikes Back. I remember my parents taking me to see that, which is probably torture for my dad because he hated science fiction. <laughs> wait, and wait, some wait. somehow he managed to sit through it. I don't know how, but uh, what did I, he I like? wanted to see it. Uh, well, my dad, you know, he was uh, from. From the old school, uh, you know, World War Two. So he was into war movies and westerns. So yeah, anything having to do with sci-fi, he he would just in five minutes he'd be asleep. Well, you've uh, never but, seen Star Wars, so well, the Phantom Menace. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> see, I ref- I haven't seen any of those. You're not missing much. I know that. I knew. I I just knew it, and the but st- the only thing that Rob and I didn't have in common were movies. <laughs> yeah, he's, day he's, after day, I'd ask him, Rob, have you seen this? And, no, I've never seen it. I, uh, I'd be like, my, my jaw would hit the... I, I, how could you not <laughs> have seen this movie you know, or any of that? I mean, I can't remember one that I mentioned that you actually said, oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> well, you like, know... What did you do? <laughs> he's seen nothing, nothing. Wait, wait, hold you on. Saw- I know! Hold on, time out. Greg and I do the podcast usually every week or two, and this subject comes up all the time. Greg will talk about a movie. I've never seen it. He makes fun of me. So yeah. imagine, Greg, imagine like five days a week the Paunch Stevenson show, where instead of <laughs> instead of Greg, instead of you, it was Joe sitting next to me. It would be different. It wouldn't be any different. No, I, I'm saying that was what oh. my life was. It was like five uh-huh. days a week of the Paunch yeah, Stevenson I'd, show. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to badger Rob like every day. Well, obviously, you didn't take the hint. No, I I ended up watching Night Shift with Henry Winkler and uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, yeah. And I ended up from the very early '80s. I don't think I, I don't think I've even seen that. And I yeah, watched. Yeah, that was like '82, I think. And I and I watched After Hours. After uh, that is that's in my top five favorite movies of all time. And what was the guy's name who starred in that? The actual actor? Yeah. Uh, Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn, yeah. That was Martin Scorsese. Yeah, actually. Yep. Yeah, it was a weird movie. Yeah, it's weird. Dark, weird. Uh, I remember I saw that uh, by accident, actually. It it came out in 85, and my cousin was visiting from Long Island, and we we went to see some other movie, and it was sold out. And we didn't have anything else to do, so we were like, oh, after hours, all right, Scorsese, how bad could it be? And uh, 
and we went in and checked it out, and I remember really liking it, and then finding it again on video years later and uh, watching it again, and I was like, wow, this this was really a funny movie, and I just, that was it. It's basically um, Paul, the, the, the main character's name, Paul, right? Paul Hackett. Yeah. Paul Hackett, yeah. He's, uh, it's after work, he's going to downtown Manhattan to hang out, and it's just a string of one bad luck after another. Just one. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't his night. No. <laughs> it started off good. I mean, he met Rosanna Arquette in the in a diner, and he's like, "Oh, this cute girl. She, you know, I got her number." Well, who turned out and to be like, completely uh, insane? Yeah. yeah, she was out of her mind. But he hung. I, I'm. It's amazing how long he hung in there with her. Well, he was desperate, you know, I guess. <laughs> no, he was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. after you know, after yeah, after the first like two or three incidents of like total weirdness, I would have been out of there. But he just he just hung in there. So, again, you are ten years older than we are. So yeah. I'm curious if you remember what kind of like when you were growing up. What were the yeah. big toys that you played with, or what were the big cartoon shows that you watched, or sitcoms? Wow. Uh, well, I remember stuff like uh, oh, The Odd Couple, uh, Barney Miller, Taxi, yeah. The Carol Burnett Show. I remember watching that with my parents. Oh, stuff like that. What else? Uh, what toys were popular? The toys. Uh, well, Big Wheels. <laughs> G.I. <laughs> Joe, Evil Knievel, oh, st- I mean, like, board games, you know, like, Connect Four and Ugh. Hungry, Hungry Hippos. <laughs> the classics. You, you remember those. that? And uh, you know, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Oh, man. See, I think, Gre- to me, Greg and I are very lucky because we were born right at the dawn of video games. Yeah. And growing up, my family and, and Greg's family, we both had the Atari 2600, so we would play and with And VHS. That. Yeah, and, and, and home uh, video. Yeah. But So we would play the Atari 2600, but I would also get other toys, like little action figures or, or dolls or, you know, farm animal, you know, the playset thing. <laughs> and I remember... Weeble. It was like I would play with the action figure for about two seconds, and I'm like, this doesn't do anything. I'm going back to the yeah, Atari. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, but yeah, my parents, I got for Christmas a Stretch Armstrong. And I was like, you know, you, you play, you stretch it for like five minutes, and, and, then, and then you're you're tired of it, so you have to, you know, rip it open to see what the heck's inside it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, what is this? It's, uh, it's like this really viscous gel. Yeah, it's probably uh, radioactive or something. Yeah, who knows what they had no uh, you know standard of safety back then. Well, the other irony is that I think Rob mentioned it on the show one time was the board games and even a lot of the toys were exactly the same from like the mid '60s until like the very early '80s. They they were the same, and they would every kid. Growing up, would buy they would buy the same toy. They never came out with new toys. <laughs> yeah, well, it was you know it was Monopoly, Connect Four, Trouble, Candyland, yeah. Shoots and Ladders. Headache. Oh, mousetrap! Ma- ma- oh, mousetrap! <laughs> Garbage. Piece of gut. Come on, se- seriously, did anyone ever even attempt to play the game? No, no. You just put it together and then watch the ball go all over the place. Yeah, they were they were all scams. You know, they were games that weren't meant to to bring lasting enjoyment to these kids. You know, <laughs> they just made it look so exciting on TV. But really, the premise of all these games, there was nothing to them. Well, I remember the commercial in maybe the early to mid nineteen eighties, and it was I grew up with Battleship, and then they yeah, had Battle- yeah, and then they had the electronic talking Battleship. Yeah, I had that. And I remember every time the commercial would come on, I would get so excited. I'm like, oh, man, mom and dad, can you please buy that for me? It's so awesome. It's electronic 
Like, but you have Battleship already. I'm like, I know, but this one's electronic and it took, you know, I was fascinated by electronics and computer types of things. So they never ended up getting it for me. And looking back on it now, I know that if they had bought it for me, I would have played it for about 30 seconds and would have been totally disappointed because it probably would have yeah. been a stupid, cheap gimmick that did nothing. I had it, I, I think I still have it somewhere in the basement, but all it did was it made sounds for, like, the torpedoes. But you would have to press a button, right? Yeah, but it knew, like, what you would do is when you... On each side, it was like the regular battleship. We had the plastic, you know, set up, and you would put the little, you know, the ships in there. And, and what you would have to do, though, is you would have to enter in the location of the ships, like which boxes they were in really? before you started. You'd have to enter them all in into, I guess, was simple computer. And you would do it on both sides so that when you then – Basically, like if you shot at the other person, it the the game would know when you when you landed a hit, like it would have an explosion. Eh. Cause it was kinda and the whole the, the premise was that even though even though the game was only about, I don't know, eight, nine inches high, you weren't supposed to be able to see the other person's, <laughs> you know, setup. Yeah. So the way you would know if you hit the person is if you put in the uh the key, you would put in the code on your side and the other person had their own keypad thing and that's how it worked. It was pretty cool. Well, the original, you'd have to say, you know, miss or hit yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, the original relied on, like, trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah you had a, the Every, honor system. Yeah, everybody yeah. cheated. Remember the commercials for it, though? They, they were in the, uh, people were playing it during the opera. <laughs> no. And they were supposed to be really quiet, you know, C5 miss and the and the guy just screams out you, you, in the middle of the opera, you psyched my battleship. But I, speaking of Atari, you said you had the 2600. I had the original Atari. Which, the very first, The very first one. It had the joystick? Was it? Yeah, it had a joystick with just a red button on it. Yeah, that's the Atari 2600. Is it? Yeah, well, Is that the very first one? It was originally called the Atari Video Computer System. Right. And then after a couple of years, they just called it the Atari 2600. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but it, they, it was long gone by then. But they sold it. you got to remember, they sold it from 1977 through... 92. The, wow. Yeah, so... But in terms of... That doesn't mean people bought it until 1992. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one that I have is the original one we had, but we got it. In the, we got it in like, I don't know, 1982, 83, and it was already secondhand, so I don't know how old it is. Yeah, I remember getting it in like, yeah, 80 or 81, something like that. And you had a Nintendo too, right? Uh, yeah, I think for, I went from the time, then I got, uh, I think I got in television, uh. <laughs> which was incredibly expensive. Wow. And bad. It had the telephone keys on it. Yeah, it had like that little <laughs> rotating dial at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of garbage. And well, it was like two hundred and fifty dollars. I remember when it first came out. And back my parents then. were like, "You're out of, you're out of your mind." Yeah, back then. So that was like ten grand today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost. And then I then I got an ColecoVision. Really? Wow. Yeah, well, that was great. That I enjoyed. That you had like Carnival and yeah. uh, <laughs> I actually Donkey Kong. Yeah, I actually <laughs> bought one a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I look around on eBay, but I'm like, you know, I waste I waste enough time on my computer. Yeah, I, well, I don't need to be I don't need to be wasting any more time playing ColecoVision. And I think the problem, if you were to, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, Greg knows more about this than I do, but I think the problem is today, if you buy one off of eBay, supposedly a lot of them don't work correctly. Well, yeah, who knows? Well, well, I mean, they're in a, in a musty attic for 20 years and they don't even test them to see if they work. They just well, put it yeah. up there and they're so 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah, but the Atari still works. Yeah, but the Atari was made. Atari 
itself made all their systems with pretty good components. Whereas the ColecoVision was, boy, I don't even know how to describe. The ColecoVision was, ba- I don't know why they did this, but basically, if you went into a Radio Shack and bought a whole bunch, at the, this is at back in those days when Radio Shack still had like computer parts and, and stuff like that. You go into a Radio Shack, you could buy like a, you know, a box full of like computer parts and you could essentially build your own ColecoVision. Now, that's how cruddy it was. And plus, you know, Coleco wasn't exactly known for quality. Yeah. So the last one I had was Nintendo. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I had that for a while, and then I sold it, and that was that was the end of my video game days. It, have you? Did you give up on the video games because you were you were really used to like the Atari classic kind of arcade games, and you just didn't like. The new games, or you just... I think I just outgrew them. Yeah. You know, I was probably like maybe 14 or 15 by the time I, I had Nintendo, and uh, I, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, I just lost interest. Yeah. But did you guys ever hang out in arcades and actually play? Uh, know, we tried the to. The original, yeah. Well, I remember uh, for for birthday parties, my parents or... My friend's parents would take us to an arcade and they still had, you know, by the late 1980s, they still had some of the older games. But at the time, it was more like, yeah, but we didn't want to play those. Yeah, I know. We wanted to play the cool new uh, uh, advanced graphics games. But yeah, see, I see those and be like, you know, I not know what they were. I wanted the old. Well, that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel now. Yeah. The, the the one or two arcades that still even exist anymore, nah. Greg and yeah. I will go into them, and it's like, what are these? These games are horrible. You know, it's yeah, either know. yeah, it's either like these these light gun games where you just have to shoot everything on the screen, or these crazy uh, uh, driving games, or yeah, it's it's either shooters. Fighting games. Oh yeah, the fighting games. Yeah, the, or which are horrendous. Yeah, the one-on-one racing uh, games. The one-on-one fighting games. It's like, you know, in the early 1990s, Street Fighter Two was very popular. My friends and I played it. I learned all the moves. After that, I couldn't be bothered. I never learned any of the moves for Mortal Kombat. I, and then it was just like one after the other, Samurai Showdown, Marvel versus Capcom, uh, SNK versus Capcom. I'm like, who can memorize all the moves to these dozens and dozens of fighting games? Hey, uh, Greg, do you remember Zork? You know, the only thing I remember about Zork is, this is a long time, this is a mid-90s, when I first got like a serviceable PC that, you know, was more than a 386. And I think my aunt or somebody gave me a, a, a present for Christmas or something like that. It was a computer game. Because they, they, you know, they knew I played video games, computer games. And I opened it up and it's Return to Zork. Yep, that's it. I never even opened it. I looked at the back of the box and I was like, I don't understand this game. I can't play it. <laughs> well, the, the original Zork was it was actually just a text game. Uh, yeah, it's text adventure. Yeah, where you just type in these like two-word commands. You know, I'll give you the scenario. You're standing in front of a house, and there's a window slightly ajar. Right. So you type in op- open window. The window is now open, and you you know you see you know enter window, and then it, that's. And I play that on my cousin's Radio Shack TRS-80. Ah, wow. That you had a load with a you had to load a program that was probably I don't know like 8k and it took about a half hour <laughs> to load with a cassette you know this, screech, yes. this horrendous screeching sound for 20 minutes <laughs> and then it would crash and you'd have to do it all over again of course <laughs> and then they they came out and I think in '93 with the actual uh, uh, version where they used actual photo movies like photographic images yeah yeah they, they went from that, they went from text 
adventures to the next step was graphical adventures where we were, you know, right. just point and click with the mouse. And I used to play a lot of those. Yeah, and, I loved that game. I was obsessed with it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really hard game, though. I mean, I, I looked at some of the walkthroughs online. There, there are clues. and I, There's no way I would have been able to figure it out. I don't know how these people figured it out. Well, with but a lot it, of... You'd have to spend months trying every variation, every you know, path to try and find these clues. It's, I, don't, I really don't get it, how these people can do that. Well, I know that the text adventure genre was born out of a, a technological limitation at the time. Because right. computers can, can display text. But I never... Well, it, there were probably a few years before our time anyway, but I never got into them because... Number one, it was too much trial and error, like you just said. Yeah. You'd have to spend months trying every single possibility. And number two, they were designed so that, let's say at the beginning of the game, uh, like you said, the, the text is explaining your current situation. Okay, you're facing a tree. You see a little piece of paper. To your left is a building. To your Okay, um, go left to the building. Well, guess what? You find out, you know, 500 steps later <laughs> into the, the game. Step. It's like, oh, I was supposed to pick up the piece of paper. Now I have to start the right. whole thing over again because I'm yep. stuck. Well, they had a, the other, the, the newer Zork, they had a, a save feature. So if you, if you sense that you were like about to get killed or something, you can save the game and go back to that point. They would uh, have to do everything over again. But sometimes you'd forget and and find out there was something you had to do, you know, 20 steps back, and you, you were screwed, you had to... Yeah. You know, and you can't so. go back. <laughs> no, you can't go backwards, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I so guess... It was pretty pe- fresh, very frustrating. Yeah, it was frustrating, and... I don't know, maybe people back then just had more patience. I don't know. I get, well, it takes that certain type of, you know, gamer to actually... Yeah you know, have the discipline to, to figure all this stuff out. Amazing. Yeah. I don't have that, that kind of time. So no, 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 no. I mean, as the years go on from a technological standpoint, again, I've always been fascinated with technology. So from that perspective, I'm still interested in video games and following the new technologies and the evolution but just yeah. from a life standpoint and a time standpoint and a patient standpoint, yeah, the, yeah. The majority of video games, I just, I, I just can't be bothered. Especially with the first-person shooters. You know, recently, the games that I have been playing are the simpler, um, older type of games, like a Mario Kart where you just accelerate and steer, and look, I'm having fun racing around the track, or, or games with a high score like Dr. Mario... You know, these army games, the first-person shooters, it's like, well, the A button shoots, the B button crouches, this button does that. This It's like, you know, 20 buttons later, it's like, wait a minute, how do I shoot again? What do I do? Uh, I just can't be bothered. Yeah. See, you, you've yeah. lost, you've, you've, the video gaming has passed you by in that realm. It has, yeah. I still like the first-person shooters. It's one of the few games, I type of games I even play. Well, yeah, I mean they're they're complicated, and but, I but feel on the like other I, hand, I, I just get lost. Right, but on well, I I'm always using the walkthroughs. So what are you nuts? I mean, oh, forget about it. I'd, I'd be there forever. But <laughs> uh, the other thing is, I don't play like you play a lot of like those puzzle type games, and I I can't play those. Well, the reason that I like them is because. Again, it's it's more of the old style of gaming where it's not an interactive movie. There's no plot. There's no story. It's just you turn it on, you play for 10 minutes, you, you try to get the high score, and then, oh, I have to go do something else now. Which you know, like. the, other, the other funny thing is, uh, we've talked about this before with computers, is you have, like, Joe, probably back then in, like, the mid-late 80s, is playing these this text game of Zork. <laughs> on a computer, but yet at the same time, had that game been made for the Nintendo, it could have had graphics. It could have been an actual <laughs> adventure game like Zelda. The same time you had 
these computers, which cost hundreds, hundreds of dollars. And yeah. all you could play on them was these horrible text games with a, intermittently a picture, maybe. And at the same time, you could buy a Nintendo for, you know, $100 or $150 at the same time and get like Zelda. I know. Well, back then, again, late 1980s, early 1990s. I mean, I don't know if if Joe, if you had a computer at the time, but one of my friends across the street, his uncle had a Macintosh. So we would play the Nintendo games and Super Mario Brothers, Contra, play all these cool games with cool graphics and everything. And then we would play games on my friend's Macintosh. And I'm like, wait a minute, why is it black and white? This thing was like $5,000. Why is it black and white? I I just couldn't understand. Slow. Yeah, I think I got my first uh, first Mac in '94. Was that it was, about when two, it was about two grand, and it had like eight megabytes of RAM. I remember. If, back then, that was like a supercomputer. <laughs> eight megs of RAM. You could run Photoshop yeah. on that. <laughs> and it had like a 250 megabyte hard drive. I remember. That was like a mainframe back then. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Well, I don't know. Nah. Then I remember getting AOL in like '96. Yeah. And uh, I needed like a RAM doubler just to just to open up AOL. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we talked about the RAM doubler before. Yeah. Gimmick. It would slow it down, but I would not be able to open up a majority of programs without it. So it was I, essential. In nineteen, I think it was. 91 or 92 my parents bought uh, an old 386 computer which at the time was 25 megahertz that was like whoa 25 megahertz and it had two megabytes of ram and vga graph not super vga vga graphics which again at the time was kind of a big deal but again like you it was i think it was a little over two thousand dollars and it ran Windows, it came with Windows 3.0, uh, Radio Shack gave us a free upgrade to Windows 3.1, but in order to run anything on it, like Print Shop Deluxe, if I wanted to make a sign or a card or something, I had to turn off like basically every feature on the computer to conserve every single last kilobyte of RAM. It was so crazy. It, it was such a whole, just an entirely different world of computers back then compared to now. People don't even know. Like, someone who's 10 years old or 12 years old today has no idea how useless and frustrating computers <laughs> used to be not that long ago. No. We're not talking about 50 years ago. We're talking about, like, 12 years ago. I mean, I could give examples of getting a get it, buying a new computer game and having to uninstall two or three other games to to play this new game because they didn't all fit on the hard drive. Anyway, Joe, when you were growing up, yeah. Was that at the time where there were TV shows like HR Puff and stuff and uh, Land of the Lost and and oh shows. yeah, yeah, I loved all that stuff. Land of the Lost and uh, Cross Superstars. What was that? That was I think that was the the uh, the company that uh, you know the production company that was responsible for all those shows like Land of the Lost and Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Wow! Yeah, yeah. You remember was... that stuff? The no. Bugaloos. No. Uh, the Banana Splits. You remember those? <laughs> No. I know what you're talking no. <laughs> about, but I've never actually watched them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it was weird because at that time it was um it was like the the psychedelia was you know, was like influencing pop culture, so you all these children's shows were just kind of insane at the time. Yeah, they were very like, you know, visually there wasn't much story to them, but uh, they took advantage of the visual aspect and these weird costumes and a lot of colorful stuff going on. But uh, 
you know, content-wise, it was just as vapid as you can get. Well, I even go on YouTube and I search for old uh, Sesame Street clips because even as late as you know, late seventies, early eighties, they were still showing a lot of clips from the late 1960s, uh, early 1970s. They were still recycling the same uh, cartoon clips, like counting numbers, alphabet, things like that. And just being able to watch them again, it's like, they're just so weird. Some of them. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I mean, some of them used to scare me. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were so bizarre, you know? Yeah, because now young children's cartoon shows or educational TV shows, it's so simplistic and so dumbed down. Even the, the music, the melodies. But back then, you know, I'm, I'm four years old. I'm, I'm watching Sesame Street. They're counting to ten. But it's not some dumb, you know, Barney type of one to ten song. It was like... It was like an acid jazz, uh, you know, complex arrangement or this like, I don't know. It was, it was sophisticated and yet it was for children. I'll well, tell like you what it is. Schoolhouse rock, you know. No. Yeah, but, but I think that's a good thing though, because it exposed yeah. me to all these different advanced styles of music or, or different styles of imagery that, I don't know. I, I just think that's a good thing at an early age like that. I think what it is or was with a lot of those shows was that the production values were so bad and the acting and the effects, if they had any, like for example, land of the lost was so bad <laughs> that as a kid, you, I just remember I would be like, I, yeah, I was a little scared of some of these shows too, but it wasn't, it wasn't like being frightened. But I think that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, it's just because the Sid and Marty Croft stuff is because they're all they were all on acid. No, (laughs) no, I was scared because they were so unusual and just crazy. Oh, and actually with the, you know, like Sesame Street, uh, the Bugaloos and, and those kind of shows, another one was the Electric Company. watch that in class really in the yeah i remember having uh during recess they had a tv in the classroom and they would let us watch the electric company wow you must have gone to a a half hour well it was a catholic school so Uh, but and when we worked together you actually showed because i remember watching the electric company Again, at a very early age, but I didn't remember much about it. I remembered a few things, but then you had showed me this video. It was like Sesame Street. They would do different songs to teach different uh, reading skills and things like that. And it was L-Y. Yep. And it was uh, Tom Lehrer. This is Lee. It's spelled L-Y, and it's very useful. Let me show you. You're wearing your squeaky shoes, and right there taking a snooze is a tiger. So how do you walk on by? Silently, silently, silent, L-Y. You're a secret agent man who's after the secret plan. How do you act so they don't know you're a spy? Normally, normally, normal, L-Y. At an eating contest, you boast that you can eat the most. How do you down your 50th piece of pie? 
Eagerly. Uh, eagerly, yeah. Eagerly. Oh, On the lake, your boat upset, and your clothes got soaking wet. How do you stand and wait for them to dry? Patiently, 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 yeah, why? In the public library, you fall and hurt your knee. But the sign says, quiet, please, so how can you cry? As you walk along the street, a porcupine you meet. How do you shake his hand when he says hi? Uh, carefully, carefully, careful, L-Y. You enter a very dark room, and sitting there in the gloom is Dracula. Now how do you say goodbye? Again, they were actual, sophisticated arrangements with different instrumentation, and it was catchy. It wasn't dumbed down for children, even though it was for children. It wasn't. They were, yeah, it was sort of uh, adultish in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, cause I remember we were watching it, and we some of those cartoons, and looking at them as adults, you'd be like, "How can kids possibly?" get this stuff you know it just seems a little too high now for second graders so again i think that was a good thing about it because yeah i mean it got uh it got kids thinking you know even though they didn't understand it it maybe would get them uh to ask their parents questions like you know what does this mean or and exactly. just get some sort of thought uh, process going exactly and now so, well, it's just like, Everything is just spelled out, you know, spoon-fed. Yeah, it's like, well, when we'd, we'd work for Scholastic, remember how they'd, they'd want everything as simple as possible? Yeah. It might, you know, if anything was uh, even the, the slightest bit complicated, they'd panic that, oh, we're going to confuse the kids. Yeah. I don't know. You, know, uh, I, I, you couldn't provoke any thought. Yeah, I was like, you know... Maybe it'll get these kids to, to think and ask some questions. Why is it this way? You know, why why can't I understand this? Why is I just didn't get why they were so. I mean, they were obviously trying to make money and keep their accounts, right? And they they thought that's what the teachers wanted, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it was really it was really frustrating. Yeah, I just feel like I don't know, not to sound like a ninety year old man, but I just feel like. <laughs> Something as silly as that, I don't know, it's it's going to affect a whole generation of people who are going to grow up and be the future. Yep. And I feel like maybe, in, in certain ways, maybe they won't be as prepared as previous generations were in terms of critical thinking or just their thought process in general. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but... I just feel like it's going to have some sort of long-term effect. I don't. I don't think a television show is going to make you any more smarter or dumber. No, but not not just one television show. But again, these educational magazines that children read in school, and TV shows, and the mu music. I don't know. It's just a whole bunch of different elements in the culture that. Yeah, it just causes them to develop a certain pattern of thinking, you know, yeah. how to how to figure things out, how to reason through something that they can't understand. Oh well. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, speaking of cartoons, I wanted to ask Greg if he remembers uh, Battle of the Planets. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. What was that? That. That was my like my favorite cartoon growing up. I think I was about ten, so it must have been uh, popular around '78. And it was just it was a, a sci-fi cartoon about G-force, 
and they were these these five superheroes who uh, flew around in this spaceship that would turn to fire. It was called the Phoenix, and they just defended the universe. The planet. G-Force. Five incredible young people with superpowers. And watching over them from Center Neptune, Seven Zark Seven. Watching, warning against surprise attack by alien galaxies from beyond space. Young orphans protecting Earth's entire galaxy. Always five, acting as one. Dedicated, inseparable, invincible. Casey Kasem was the uh, did one of the voices. Oh yeah. Well, he, yeah, yeah, he did it. He did all kinds of shows. Yeah. The characters looked sort of like the characters from like Speed Racer. Yeah, I, sh- I showed you a clip of it, Rob, and you. You seem slightly impressed, but that was yeah. great cartoon. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was really- a couple of years before our time. I think a few oh. years after that, we ended up getting shows probably um, similar to Battle of the Planets, but Voltron, Robotech. Yeah, yeah they were Japanese, and then they were just dubbed in English. And those eventually... Became, be, uh, you know, great shows like this, this Battle of the Planets or Voltron or, or whatever, they were eventually replaced with Power Rangers. <laughs> Horrible. So, well, Power Rangers, Dragon Ball Z, uh, Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon. Oh, way after I uh, came along. Yeah, they were even after uh, our much time. Later stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were after our time too. And it was like, you know, my brother was into uh, uh, Pokemon and it was, it's just chaos, basically. 30 minutes of chaos. It's just, it's just every single character on the screen is screaming. They're just constantly screaming. I don't know how, what does this tell, teach a kid? Every 30 seconds in the middle of complete calm, you just get up and start screaming. Because they start screaming and then they start fighting. <laughs> Sounds like a, a ride on a New York City subway. Uh, you know, I was I was going to mention a, a couple of movies that I saw on TV. Yeah. Which, of course, Rob has never seen. I'm sure. <clears throat> um, one of them is this is a comedy. It came out like last year, or two years ago. It was a Judd Apatow movie. It was the Walk Hard? I saw that. You saw Walk Hard? I can't believe it. In the theater. Wow. It was okay. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, some it was parts. okay. Have you guys seen The Hangover? No. no. That was pretty funny. Well, what was the, another one that you just saw? The other one was, it's from like 1995. And this was a movie that, when you're like a, like a teenager, 14, 15, and you see like certain movies, and they just stick with you, that... You know, like, I don't know. It's like right at that point in life when you're watching like movies and TV shows. And it's like once you hit like 16, you know, when you watch this stuff, you kind of already get like, you know, this this thing is this movie is kind of, you know, full of it. It's it's bogus. Things don't really happen that way. Come on. Right. But before then, you know, there's like movies and they kind of stick with you, whatever. But. So for me, the movie is is Empire Records. Oh, that was Don't horrible! Like it? Come on, horrible! It was funny. No, 
which is kind of annoying in some parts. Liv Tyler. Hey, Liv Tyler was was big at that time. I don't know why. Eh, pretty good looking. Yeah. Empire Records. Yeah, that's it. Just kind of stuck with me for some reason. It was like it was like always on like HBO, and I'd be watching it constantly. Yeah, High Fidelity was better, I thought. Is that the one with John Cusack? Yeah, and Jack Black. Mm. And uh, I don't know. Well, remember uh, again? It was a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was last episode. You reviewed The Dark Knight. Yeah. Did you see that, Joe? Dark, nope. No. I don't I don't go to the movies anymore. <laughs> well, the past uh well, I saw it on cable. Yeah, like the past 6 weeks it's been on HBO. And so Greg, you saw it, you gave it a really positive review. I know a lot of our friends gave it a positive review. So, it was on one night. I said, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to I'm, I'm going to finally watch The Dark Knight. Everyone's been telling me how good it is." Oh. I started watching it, and after, I don't know, 15 minutes, I just got so bored that I had to change the channel. Uh, well, who is in it? Christian Bale and Heath Ledger and Aaron Eckhart and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Gary Oldman. Hmm. And Michael Kind. Don't forget about Michael Kind. <laughs> Michael Kind. All right. <laughs> I don't know. It was like the Joker was robbing a bank, and then it cut to a parking garage, and there were two Batmans. <laughs> and I just, it was just, I don't know. It was just boring. <laughs> Should I have stuck I, with it? Yeah. I, you know what? The first, here's the funny thing. I thought it was a really good movie. It was a very good comic book movie. I thought they, they it was, you know, I thought it was it had a lot of action. It was, you know, cool and all that. Is there a re a big rewatch value? Probably not. Yeah. For me, and and mo, mo, mostly that's because I grew up with Michael Keaton Batman. Exactly. And so those two movies that he did are, you know, the ones that were had the biggest, you know, the ones that had that impression, first impression on me. So if the, if they're on, yeah, I want to watch those. But that's just because, you know, I was a kid when they came out. So those are the ones that I like. Not to say that this one is, is worse or better or worse. It's, you know, it's not like the garbage that had come before. Yeah. Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Well... Like I said, I it was I just found the beginning boring, and it was that stupid Christian Bale voice. <laughs> it, you know, I said this. I said that probably the worst thing about the movie was that it had Batman in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm Batman. So what about this movie coming? Uh, well, not coming up. Just came out. Bruno. <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you going to go see that, Joe? Probably not. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's uh, Dr. Right. Baron Cohen. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't understand I... because, okay, when the Borat movie came out a few years ago, it was a new thing to a lot of people. And I could understand that when they were making the movie – that the people that Borat was talking to actually thought it was a real guy. But now that it's, you know, Borat and Sasha Baron Cohen have become part of the pop culture, I just can't understand how people are still falling for this. Yeah, but it, it, I know in the one thing, this Bruno, he interviews this Palestinian Hamas guy who's probably never seen uh, any kind of British or American television, so right, how would he right. know? All right. By the way, I have a quick movie review. I saw... Shoot, I'm going to have to look it up now. You don't even remember what movie it was? By the <laughs> way, do you know what today is? 7-Eleven? Well, no, it's uh, July 12th. Well, that was yesterday. July 12th, we have a celebrity birthday. 
Do you know who? I have no idea. Oh, Theo, the cause. Oh. Jello pudding pops. Rudy Hotstable. Well, we had another nitwit. <laughs> it's Bill Cosby. We had another celebrity birthday that just passed. You know who? On July 7th? No. 69 years old on July 7th. Wait, let me guess. Take one guess. That's right, love. No, close. Ringo. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Wait, Ringo's older than Paul McCartney? He's the oldest Beatle. Yeah. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Man, that's going to July seventh, July seventh, nineteen forty. Wow. Wow. Isn't it weird wow. that the Beatles are basically going to be in their seventies soon? Yeah. That's so weird. But anyway, Bill Cosby, 72. Mm. Fat Albert. You know, we did the... We had a whole bunch of celebrity deaths last episode. Including the big one. And then as soon as we post that episode, another guy dies. It's OxyClean! Oh, no! Billy Mays here for Orange Glow. Billy Mays. Yeah. Drop dead. Yeah, 50 years old. Like Michael Jackson. Yeah. 50 years old. Um, oh, yeah. So this. let me look up this movie real quick. It starred... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Wilson. Uh, uh, Luke Wilson. <laughs> He acts the same in every single movie. He's like he's he's like a second-rate Ben Stiller. <laughs> well, they all are. You know, I mean, in reality, technically, you could even say that they're all second-rate Steve Martins or Chevy Chases. Well, here's my question: What is the movie? People love Steve Martin. They think he's hilarious. Was. Um, he doesn't, I mean, he's been around for what, 30 years for a guy yeah. that's been around for 30 years 40. and, and who is held, who is held in such high regard. He doesn't really have that many great movies. Does he? He had a lot of good movies in the seventies and the eighties and early nineties. A handful. Uh, he had a lot. I don't know. He's not funny anymore. Well, what really funny guy has a long laundry list of, of great funny movies? Ben Stiller? I don't no. know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was his first big movie? The Jerk? The Jerk, yeah. Mm. And then, um, what was the black and white one where he was a detective? Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Uh, I guess that wasn't a good one. Mm. Well, he had he had um, the jerk. Roxanne is supposed to be good. Ugh, terrible. My blue the heaven. Man with two brains. Yeah, man with two brains. My blue heaven. My blue heaven is great. It's okay. That's great. It has its moments. Parenthood. What, what would you like to see, sir? Arugula. Huh? Arugula. It's a vegetable. <laughs> Wait, his Italian accent was almost as bad as Steven Seagal's Italian accent uh, <laughs> in Out for Justice. Oh, the Three Amigos. Yeah, Three Amigos. Parenthood. Yeah. Uh, Father of uh, the Bride. Father of the Bride. <laughs> All of Me. Who? All of Me. I've never heard of that one. Really? Is that a comedy? Yeah, comedy. He was in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with me, Michael Caine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was very funny on Saturday Night Live when he would go on there. Not recently. No, I know. I'm just saying. He hasn't made... Look, the guy has made... Not only has he made bad movies, he's made atrocious piles <laughs> of Kalmanor. Wait, have you ever seen Bowfinger? 
Oh, man. Supposedly, that's the funny one. Ah, oh, that's awful. <laughs> awful! Wait, what was the one with him and Queen Latifah, and he was supposed to be a black guy? What? It was from a few years ago. I and he talked with a that. lisp the whole movie? Cheap, cheaper by the dozen. Oh, yeah, that was... Uh, oh, man. Isn't that and he it? made another one! Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was two of them. Yeah, he made the second one with the stupid Eugene Levy. But he made uh, he made some good he made some good comedy albums though. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember listening to them as a kid. One side was his stand up and the other side was him playing the banjo. <laughs> well, the other thing he's done recently, which is just abominable, are these remakes of the Pink Panther. <laughs> Unbel I mean, I have heard other comics and, and people who just, you know, you know, hold Peter Sellers in this high regard or whatever, but they're just like, what this guy is doing is, is like heresy. He's just horrible. By the way, the movie that I was talking about with Queen Latifah, it was from 2003, Bringing Down the House. <laughs> God. And guess who's in it? You just mentioned his name a couple seconds ago. Michael Kine? No, the other guy. Eugene Lavery? Yeah. <laughs> that guy's in every comedy movie, I think. That was popular when I was a kid. Second City TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like um, Armed and Dangerous with John Candy. Yes. I mean, well, Steve Martin and John Candy were in planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, yeah, that was a funny one. Yeah. Yeah, Eugene Levy, he's, uh, I don't think he turns down a role ever. No. I like him. Uh, he's funny, but he just, he just does anything. I mean, they keep making these, these made for DVD American Pie sequels. <laughs> They've made like three or four. It's ridiculous. And he, they keep getting him in it. Yeah, well, hey. It's like this guy was the father of a character in one of the first movies, and somehow I don't know they they write the most ridiculous ways to get him into the movie. <laughs> Baked goods. Um, I'm looking. All right, this is ridiculous. I'm looking at Luke Wilson's filmography, and I don't see yeah. this movie listed. Oh, here Are it is. Sure? All right, here it Owen is. Owen Wilson. No, no, no. Here it is from 2008. Henry Poole is here. Have you ever heard of Never this? Never heard of it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't either. It was on TV. And Enjoy. it was... Uh, Luke Wilson plays Henry Poole. He goes to the doctor in the beginning of the movie. He gets diagnosed with a terminal illness. He's going to die. The doctor said probably within the next month or two. So he's all depressed. He goes back to his old neighborhood and buys a house across the street from the house that he grew up in. I guess maybe just for nostalgia or whatever. And he ends up falling in love with the neighbor. And he's, uh, you know, they go on a date and things like that. And he, he says, you know, we, we shouldn't do this. It's It's not fair to you i'm gonna die in a few months so he ends up <laughs> taking an axe and chopping down the house that he's living in and the roof falls on him so he goes to the hospital and when he wakes up the the neighbor the woman that he's in love with says oh hey by the way um Remember the doctor from, like, a month ago? Yeah, he was wrong. You don't have a terminal illness, so you're no. fine. So, and then they get married. Yeah. That's it? Yeah, and it was, like, two hours long. You know, there was another movie was like so this. Boring. There was another movie like this in the late 80s, or maybe early 90s, starring Dabney Coleman, of all people. Wow. Where he's a cop. Oh, it's a really funny movie. He's a cop, and he's told that he's going to die. But he doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't tell his, his family. He doesn't tell his partner that he's going to die. And what he finds out is that the only way, like, if he gets killed in the line of duty as a cop, 
his his young son will get all this money from the insurance or whatever. (laughs) But if he dies from this illness, he won't get anything. Oh, so so it's like uh, Brewster's Millions. Sort of. Sort of. Not really, but... (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) Anyway, so he spends the whole movie trying to get killed. (laughs) And he never gets killed. It's It's really funny. And then at the end... They find out that they mixed up the blood work with some bus driver. Ah. And there was nothing wrong with him. Well, thanks a lot, Joe. It was fun talking to you. Yeah, it was uh, a pleasure to uh, to finally get to talk to you guys after listening to... Uh, I was doing what that other guy's doing, listening to your show from the current show, I'm Going Backwards. <laughs> yes, the reverse Insane. marathon. Yeah, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing it the reverse style, yeah, so... Thanks again, guys. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Have a good night. All right. You too, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.